Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new story from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host, Melissa Collings, after the reading, when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. The Story Discovery Podcast is sponsored by Scrivener, the go-to app for writers of all kinds, used every day by best-selling novelists, screenwriters, nonfiction writers, and more. Think of Scrivener as the Swiss Army knife of writing apps. You can use just the parts you need, like the distraction-free writing view, or you can break out all the tools to plan, organize, research, and create your work. When you're done, you can easily export to multiple document, manuscript, and ebook formats. Our listeners get a 20% discount by using the coupon code Story Discovery at checkout. You can learn more at their website, literatureandlatte.com, or just type Scrivener into your search engine. Give Scrivener a try, you won't regret it. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All stories are copyright 2021, all rights reserved. With permission from CamCat Publishing, Today's story is the audiobook prologue from Beneath the Marigolds, written by Emily C. Whitson. Settle in and enjoy. Part 1 Prologue I knew too much. On that island, on that God-forsaken singles retreat, I knew too much. I ruminated on that thought, chewing it carefully, repeatedly, while Magda, the makeup artist, transformed me into a life-size nightmarish porcelain doll. Ghastly white face, penciled in eyebrows, blood-red lips. I'd look beautiful from a distance, she had told me, leaving the other part of the sentence unspoken. Up close, it's frightening. She tisked as she dabbed my damp forehead for the fourth time, her Russian accent thickening with frustration. Why are you sweating so much? I worried my voice would come out haggard, so I shrugged, a little too forcefully. Magda shook her head, her pink bob sashaying in the grand all-white bathroom as she muttered something foreign under her breath. My gaze danced across the various makeup brushes on the vanity until it landed on one in particular. I shifted my weight in the silk-cushioned chair, toyed with my watch. Magda, what do you want out of this retreat? No response. Did she not hear me, or did she choose not to respond? In the silence, I was able to hear Christina's high-heeled feet outside the bathroom. Click, clack click-clack. When I first met the host of the singles retreat, I was in awe of her presence, her unflappable poise. Shoulders back, she walked with a purpose, one foot in front of another. And though she was a couple inches shorter than I was, she seemed larger than life. Her icy eyes, colored only the faintest shade of blue, seemed to hold the secrets of the world, secrets she intended to keep. But I had stumbled upon them just a few short hours before, and I was now afraid her gait represented something more sinister, 
the march of an executioner. Click, clack, click, clack. Her stride matched the even tick of my watch, and a drop of sweat trickled down my back. Was I being ridiculous? Surely Christina wouldn't hurt me. She had been reasonable with me earlier, hadn't she? One minute, Magda shouted at the retreat's host. She doused my fire-red curls and hairspray one last time before asking me if I was ready to go. I just need to use the bathroom, I wheezed through shallow breaths. I'll be right out. Magda exaggerated her sigh before shuffling out of the white marble immurment, closing the doors behind her with a huff. My last remnants of safety and rational thinking left with her. I shoved the vanity chair underneath the door handle. I grabbed the makeup brush with the flattest head and hurried to the bathroom. I gingerly closed the lid of the toilet and slipped off my heels before tiptoeing on top so I could face the window. After removing the beading, I inserted the head of the makeup brush between the frame and glass. The brush's handle cracked under the pressure, but it was enough to lever the glass out of its mounting. I placed the glass on the floor as gently as I've ever handled any object, trying not to make even the slightest sound, before hoisting myself up and through the window. I jumped into the black night, only partially illuminated by the full moon and the artificial lights of the mansion. I allowed my eyes to adjust, and then I ran. The loose branches of the island forest whipped at my cheeks my limbs, my mouth. The soles of my feet split open from fallen twigs and other debris, but the adrenaline kept the pain at bay. I tripped over something unseen, and my hands broke my fall. Just a few cuts and a little blood. I couldn't see it, but I could feel it. I jumped up, forcing myself to keep moving. The near darkness was blinding, so I held my bloody hands up, trying to block my face. The farther I ran, the more similar the trunks of the trees became. How long had I been running? I gauged about a mile. I slowed down to gather my bearings. Behind me, the lights of the mansion brightened the sky, but they were only the size of my palm from that distance. I heard the hum of a moving car come and go. I must have been near the road. I was about to start moving again, when I heard the snap of twigs, footsteps. I stopped breathing. I swiveled to my left and right, but nothing. I exhaled. It was just my imagination. I continued away from the lights, away from the retreat. And then someone stepped toward me. Christina. Her face was partially obscured by darkness, but her pale eyes stood out like fireflies. It doesn't have to be like this, she said. Her expression remained a mystery in the darkness. I turned around, but one of her handlers was blocking that path. Christina took another step forward, and I jerked away, tripping over the gnarled roots of the forest in the process. My head broke the fall this time, and my ears rang from the pain. Her handler reached for my left hand, and for a moment... I thought he was going to help me stand. Instead, he twisted my ring finger into an unnatural position. As my bone cracked, 
My screams reverberated through the woods. It was showtime. You've just listened to Beneath the Marigolds by Emily Whitson. Welcome to the post-story portion of the podcast. I'm your co-host, Melissa, here with JW. Hello. We've got a very special guest on the show today, Emily Whitson, author of Beneath the Marigolds, a suspense thriller novel. Welcome, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. It is so great to have you on the show. We're very excited. Emily is particularly special to me because not only is she an amazingly talented author and literary inspiration, she is also a very dear friend of mine. Oh, Melissa. <laughs> it's true. I love her so much. I feel left uh, out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. JW is great, too. Uh, so I already know lots about her, and I'm anxious for you all to get to know her as well. This is going to be a lot of fun, so let's get ready. And let's find out more. Who is Emily Whitson? All right. I'm Emily, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and this is my debut novel. Uh, I was in marketing for six years before uh, turning my hand to fiction. I always wrote um, after work and on the weekends, um, but it took me about six years before I actually um, had an offer to buy the book. And uh, now I'm pursuing a Master of Education at Vanderbilt, and I hope to teach English literature, uh, secondary education. Um, so I'll graduate this May. I'm student teaching right now, and oh, I, I will know teach. That. Yeah, that's terrific. So, um, You're student teaching, awesome. I am, yes. So student teaching right now, and then next year I will be a full time teacher, along with with hopefully writing in addition to that. So uh, that not is hopefully you definitely. Are. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see where I end up, um, but that is the goal right now. Very good. Well, we we listened to the prologue of Beneath the Marigolds, and since that is fresh on our minds, let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Tell us a little bit about the book, and it, as much as you want to tell, you know, to, what this book is about, because this is a juicy piece of business, this prologue. <laughs> I mean, you read it, and it's like, for me, when I read it, I was like, okay, this is this is happening. This is on the page. I'm turning the page and I, I've got to know what happened. And I know that there are going to be so many people out there that are going to want to do the same thing. So talk about the book. Why should somebody read this and what's it about? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the prologue because this book has been through so many iterations. I spent four years writing it before it was published. And there are only like a select few pieces that remain from the original. And <laughs> Melissa, you know this, that the prologue is one of <laughs> very few pieces that remain. So it's it's one of my favorites. Um, that and the epilogue are really kind of the two things that that I wanted to keep. So I do love the epilogue. I'm, I'm I do love the prologue, and I'm I'm glad you love it too. But um, about the book in general. So as I mentioned, it's been through several iterations, but I always wanted to do some sort of twisted story on a reality dating show. I've always loved shows like The Bachelor on ABC. And I just wondered, you know, what would happen if something went disastrously wrong? You know, emotions run so high on those type of things. Um, You know, what if there was a disappearance? What if someone got too emotional? So I played with that idea for a long time. That was always kind of the backbone of the story. 
Um, and eventually it came to be what it is today, which is told from the perspective of two protagonists. There's Reese and Anne. Reese goes to the singles retreat, which seems a little bit too good to be true. And she goes missing. And then her friend Anne goes on the retreat to try to figure out what happened to her. Uh, along the way, she starts to believe that something more is going on here. There are weird dates. There are weird rules. She starts to suspect that perhaps it is a reality dating show. Uh, so kind of the two mysteries of the book are finding out what happened to Reese and then figuring out what is the deal with the singles retreat. Oh, it's so juicy. Yeah, yeah very exciting. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So the prologue is your, you wrote that originally. Mm -hmm. Was that like your first chapter or did you always say this is going to be the prologue or did it, I mean, was that always the beginning? It was. It was always wow. the beginning. Yeah, pretty much everything else changed except for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I take but, it you wrote that first? I did, yeah. Wow, oh, that's had, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't think I've ever told anyone that. I mean, Melissa knows that, but I don't think yeah. I've said that in an interview yet. <laughs> so yeah, that that particular piece is, is closer to my heart because that was always the first image I had in my head. Yeah. And, um, and the story took a lot of different turns, but I always kept coming back that particular scene cool well i was i'm dying to know what the makeup was all about so yeah you'll have to keep keep reading <laughs> yeah well i think one of the things about this book i really love are the strong themes so you've got multiple themes in the book and i don't want to spoil anything for anyone but two two concepts that are in in the book that i find really intriguing are your strong female characters and also and the main character, and also Reese, both have this recovery component to their lives. I think that's really powerful, something people can relate to, or they might be curious about. And you know, everybody has issues with struggling with something. And I love how she's not an alcoholic, she's in recovery, she's living life in recovery. And I think that's a beautiful thing to look at. And then you have the strong female characters. So can you speak to both of those themes, like how they, how they impacted you? Like, how? what did you want them to be? Um, were you insistent upon having those in the book or did they develop? Yeah, I always had female protagonists. Um, not really to make some sort of message. I just, I was writing what I know and I know what it's like to be a woman. And so I felt like that was the most authentic path for me to take. Um, and I, I do think there are a lot of female readers out there who enjoy this type of material. So, yeah, it's also so much friendship, it, you know, that you have a strong mm -hmm. when I say strong female characters, but there's a strong bond between these characters, which I think which is something I really like. Yeah, that was something that I was pretty adamant about throughout the process. And I can't eh, I don't want to say too much without giving it away. But I wanted it to be sort of the antithesis of what reality dating shows are all about, which yeah. is, you know, finding a romantic relationship. And I, those are wonderful and everybody should pursue those. And, but I also think that other relationships and platonic relationships like friendships are equally as important and sometimes get lost um, in the message of some of those shows. So mm -hmm. that I was adamant about um, that friendship. And then as far as the recovery piece goes, I don't know if I had that in there originally. Um, I think I added it later, but 
Yeah, that was something that I was adamant about too and was occasionally told that I should take it out. But it was something that was important to me <laughs> because, uh, because I feel like I see characters a lot who are in active addiction, but they're rarely in recovery and doing well in recovery. Yeah. And I think that's so important to see because so often you just see characters who are basically in trouble with their addiction. Yeah. Um, and I think that's dangerous for people in recovery because they don't see any models um, for people that are thriving. Yeah. So that was really important. I mean, of course, my characters get into lots of trouble. It's just trouble <laughs> unrelated to, to their addiction. So yes. that part, yes, I, I was really adamant about keeping that aspect of the book. Interesting. That's great. Are they struggling with the addiction or, the, or in, through the recovery at all? Or is that just not part of it? So there is background information about how they became friends because Reese is and sponsor in the program. So in order to show their history, I had to show a little bit about their addiction, mm -hmm. but it's all uh, background knowledge. So the actual present time story taking place, they're not really struggling with their addiction. I mean, anybody in addiction, they're always struggling. I mean, every day you have to to work at it, um, but they're not struggling in the way that they are on and off the wagon. It's more right. history. Got it. Yeah, I think Great. it makes for a strong feel. And it's not what the book is about. It's just part of the character's life, which I think makes the characters much more interesting and have a lot of depth. Uh, so they, I mean, you you want to stick with Thank someone. Uh, yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So yes. I think it's um, the the story is so fun, but having the characters with with that those two things in particular really give it a richness. I think and add layers. Um, but I mean, the story story is fantastic. Okay, so did did you learn anything about yourself writing this book? Oh, I've learned so many things. Uh, let's see, actually writing the book. I feel like it's actually been a while since I've been in the writing process because lately I've been doing so much of the marketing. Yeah. And I will say something that I've learned, and I don't know if other authors feel this way, but I much prefer the writing to the other aspects of being an author. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, you know, that, so that is something that I've learned about myself. I think some people are, are very, very good at sort of self promotion, yeah. putting themselves out there. And, and that's something that I would like to be better about. Um, but that's something that I learned about myself that I wouldn't have known about going through this process. Um, I think in general, when you're writing, you kind of come in with ideas in a way that you think the story's going to turn out and nothing ever turns out exactly like you have it in your head. Exactly. And I think part of the fun of writing is sort of going on that adventure and figuring out where the story will take you. Yeah. And that is something really fun I discovered about writing is it's it's just as fun for the author as it is for the reader to just figure out where the story will take you. Um, because even though you may have sort of a clear destination in your head, not all of the details are going to be um, determined before you start writing. Yes. That's great. So does that mean you're a discovery writer or did you have a plot and you were trying to get hit all those points along the way? Yeah, I would say I'm a mix of a pantser and a plotter. So I always know where I'm going to start and where I'm going to end up. And I try to outline as much as I can. Uh, 
but just inevitably something will change mm-hmm. um, from here to there. And yeah, yeah. I think just an outline, it it's so different from having an outline, actually putting it on the page. And so I really admire writers who can plot the entire thing. That's um, hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. It's yeah. really, really hard. And I also, I mean, just going back to the fun aspect of it, I think for me, that's part of the fun of writing is discovering it along the way. Yeah, those little surprises that pop up. I love mm-hmm. that too. Okay, so I want to talk about yeah, where you're publishing at CamCat. But before that, I want to talk about, if I can, how you and I met, which we will probably yeah. get to talking about writing groups and everything. So mm-hmm. for everybody listening, Emily and I met at a writer's group. And I, speaking to this book, in our group, we had uh, several people in, in a kind of a circle at a Panera of all places. Um, and everybody brought five pages of their work in progress. And it, when it came to your turn, everybody got had the pages in their hand, but you would read it aloud. You know, I'm listening. We were with a bunch of great writers, you know, some great pages out there. But I heard Emily's. She was a part of the group before I was, and I had just joined in. Emily read hers. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this this is awesome. Like, this girl has something. <laughs> so I contacted her outside of the group, and I was like, hey, I want to read your full, I want to read the full thing. And she she graciously let me, and it was so fun. And when I read those pages, when I read that book, I was like, I know. And I told her, I was like, I know you're going to be published. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And here you are. I'm so proud of you. I think it's so <laughs> awesome. Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that warms my heart. Um, oh. Yeah. So, yes, Melissa is such a sweet, dear friend of mine. And she says she graciously let me or allowed her to read it. But honestly, Melissa asking me to do that was probably the best thing for my writing career. Um, because before then, you know, I'd been that and going to the group were the best things. I ever did. Um, and I highly recommend going to a critique group for, for new writers. I think that's so important. Um, but yeah, but Melissa was my first beta reader and that's when I really started to take it more seriously and got some really good feedback and it helped me, her feedback helped me take the story in a new and better direction. Um, so that you asking me that, just it made all the difference and I don't think I would be here today if you hadn't done that so oh. I, I know I, I actually think about that moment a lot and I'm, I'm so grateful you did that oh I love that <laughs> see that is not only just do I just absolutely love that but it does speak to the fact that when you're a writer you have to put yourself out there and I think that's one awesome thing about the writing groups is that you do make connections with people and those connections are really great and and you never know what that's going to lead to so you know i i'm so excited to be a part of that process and so it's huge i mean honestly emily getting published because the story became so dear to my heart and so did emily but it was the next best thing to me getting published and i told her that but it's true okay we'll stop the love fest here And so let's get to the publishing side. Yes. You decided to publish with CamCat Publishing, which is an independent publisher mm-hmm. and really up and coming. They're really fastly thriving, um, but fairly new. 
um, into the publishing world, but really um, making quick strides to become um, really something in the publishing world. So can you tell us a little bit about that process and why you decided to go with CamCap? Yeah. So um, in that same writing group where I met Melissa, I met Sue, uh, who is the publisher of CamCat. And I had been sharing the story with her for, I don't know, maybe three or four months. And when I reached the, the query process of, you know, trying to get published, she reached out to me separately and advised me to, or she encouraged me to um, submit to CamCat. And I was a little bit nervous at first because we were friends. We were, you know, in the same writing group and I didn't want to mess that up. But she is my friend and she's a great businesswoman. So I was like, of course I'll do that. Um, so I submitted, they accepted, and uh, I really, really liked the editor too that was going to be working on uh, my novel. So ultimately I think it came down to, I knew Sue, she, was a, she is a friend of mine. I knew she was a really great businesswoman. Um, so I felt really comfortable going with CamCat as opposed to someone I had never met before, never worked before, yeah, never worked with before. And um, I also really liked that CamCat is in Brentwood, which for those who don't know, Brentwood is, you know, 15 minutes from Nashville. Um, and I love Nashville. I love being a part of the community. And yeah. so publishing with a company out in Brentwood also was really appealing to me. I do want to say, though, that even though Sue as a publisher is also your friend. Like she is, she is like hardcore businesswoman. So it is yeah. like, Hey, I'm going to publish you because you're my friend. It is. I'm going to publish you because you have a good book. Yeah. She made that very clear. Yes. She said, yeah, she was like, I mean, I think it's good, but I won't say, you know, cause I had to submit it to, I don't even know who all is in the process, but the three or four people who decide to take it, including the acquiring right. editor. Like anyone um, else would have to do. Yeah. So so I did that and, and luckily made it through that process. So yes, I should clarify that it, it went through a round of editors like it would with, with any other author. It just took a little bit of nudging from Sue to apply. <laughs> yes, because she saw that it was an awesome work. I'm so excited for it to be coming out and it's coming out. It's date. It's uh, what do you call that? Um, yeah. Publication date, pub date. Yes. You are launching the book in just, just a few days, right? Yeah. Yes. Very exciting. The yeah, big launch. Tuesday. Yeah. I'm calling it a launch party. I think more in the industry, they call it like pub day or publication oh, okay. date. Okay. But yeah, but I've just been, <laughs> I've been calling it the launch party. <laughs> the launch party. I love it. It's launched yeah. out there. You can pre-order it now um, and everyone should, and you can get it all over the place, right? I know you can get it at Parnassus Books. You can get it on Amazon. You can buy it through CamCat. I think you can even buy it through your website, right? Not through my website, okay. but on my website, I will direct you to where you can buy it. Excellent. <laughs> Great. And I assume you're going to have an audiobook since we got the prologue from that, right? Yes. Uh, so yes, it will be on Audible. Uh, and I think that's the only one that's positive right now. Um, that's a for sure thing. Um, it might be available on other platforms later. Okay, great. And is the audiobook going live the same time as the book? What an excellent question. Uh, I 
hope so. Let's see. I actually don't know. So. <laughs> That's a okay. typical author. <laughs> yeah. I just wrote the book. Leave those details. Right, know. right. <laughs> no, that's good. That's real good. Cool. We touched on the publication process. Anything surprised you? I know everybody who is a writer, they're just, or anybody out there just thinking about, you know, how books get out there. It's an extremely difficult process. Like it's long, it's hard. And writing the book is just a piece of, of the puzzle. You know, you write the book, but then you have to edit the book and then you have to get it out there and then you have to market yourself like you were talking about, which all are, are hard to do. Anything surprising about the publication process that you just weren't expecting? Um, yeah, I mean, yes, yes. There were so many aspects that were surprising. Um, I think just before I got into it, I, I truly thought, and this was so naive, but I was like, well, you know, I'll just write the book and then, uh, they'll deal with all the rest. And, <laughs> and that's just not how it goes. Right. Um, so, so yeah, so I think, um, how much marketing and promotion goes into it, I did not realize at the time. So, so for anybody who's interested in writing, that is a fair share of the job. Yes, let us um, burst your bubble right now, right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some people love it, so it's yeah. you know it's a great addition. Uh, so I think that surprised me. Um, the amount of editors I worked with surprised me too. I kind of thought it would just be one person, um, and you do primarily work with an editor, at least developmentally. But you also have uh, a copyright, a copy editor, and then a um, proofreader. And then sometimes even the second proofreader. So uh, and so you have to go through all of those rounds as well. So I think that surprised me too. It's a lot of hoops. It is. And I, I'm so glad that there are those hoops because I'm so glad that there are, you know, four people proofreading it. There are a lot yeah. of things that I need help with and I, I want someone to double check things for me. Um, so I'm glad that there are those, you know, extra, extra set of eyes on the book. Oh, definitely. You get when you get so close to your work, you don't see things like there can be glaring mm -hmm. mistakes that other yeah. people can pick up. But it's like you you become blind to it after a while. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like editors kind of like bring you down, you know, like I feel like a lot of writers tend to be kind of up in the clouds and then yeah. editors kind of bring you back to reality. And yeah. like, How would this actually work? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I need those people in my life. Yeah. This is not physically possible. Oh, yeah. really? <laughs> Thanks for telling me that. My favorite part of the book to talk about that with. So there's the scene where I really wanted, I'm embarrassed to even say it, but I really <laughs> wanted um, an associate at a law firm to, to fly a plane with FBI special <laughs> agents. I thought that would really complete his character arc. It would it be like a big awesome. moment for him. And then <laughs> the copy editor was like, so you want an associate at a law firm to fly the FBI? <laughs> and I was like, um, yes, that would be so cool. Why can't I do that? <laughs> so uh, so I, I need them there to, to make things real. <laughs> yes. Or we have associates uh, flying planes with no license, yes. no experience. Yeah, no, yeah, just, you know, that we need Death them out there. the window. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is good stuff. Well, I understand that the book has two kind of major protagonists. Like I said, it's Reese and Anne. Mm -hmm. When you started writing the book, was that your intent? 
No, I think it was all from, it was mostly from Anne's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I then later on realized that bringing Reese in would make the book stronger. Um, Mostly because I think in thrillers, one of the main ways to create tension is through dramatic irony. You know, one character knows something that the other character doesn't. And so having those two characters perspectives in the two timeline was a great way the two timelines was a great way to bring in that dramatic irony and sort of ramp up the tension um so i'm ultimately glad i did that but at first no it was not two different people interesting so then you have some overlapping i assume in the various timelines Mm -hmm. that's fun i I always i I love that in books because then there was like a chance meeting that didn't happen like one person left the building you know, hours before another person walks in or something like that. And it can be kind of fun because you read that separately and then you realize, oh my gosh, I just miss each other. But you never say it. Oh, so it is two different timelines. Okay. Um, but they do, you know, find out information um, in that way. So they're not physically. Okay, you know, I got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the timelines are totally separate. Yes. So okay. with Reese, we're it's um, starting from when she attends the retreat mm-hmm. to when she goes missing. Got it. And then Anne is when she goes to the retreat to find Reese. And she meets a lot of the same people that Reese did on right. the island. So um, so in that way, you're sort of figuring out information and meeting some of the same people. But they wouldn't be there at the same time. Right, right. Got it. You get two perspectives on the same activity and same person, too, which is really that's a lot of fun. Yes, it is. That was, that's one of my favorite things about writing is just looking at life and different things from various perspectives. I think, you know, that's one of the best parts about literature is you just see the world through a new pair of eyes. So it was one of the most challenging aspects of writing the book, but it was one of the most fun as well because they're two very different characters. So they had very different uh, reactions to similar events. Cool. Yes. Well, so tell us about your writing process. Are you, uh, you get up early and write or you have a scheduled time every day or just kind of when you find time, how do you do it? Oh, uh, whenever I find time, it usually ends up being on the weekends or at night. Right now I'm student teaching in the morning and then going to class for my master's degree at night. So there's not as much time for writing now. So summers are really big for me um, mm-hmm. in terms of writing I tend to do um, the bulk of my writing in the summer just I have a little bit more downtime um, but during the actual school year I would say if I'm writing it'll usually be at night or on the weekends hmm. very good and what are you if we can get a sneak peek into what's next so I know there's something next yes I can't reveal what that is yet but okay. I am working on a second book And what I can say is I would like to continue to explore pop culture and how it intersects with suspense. I think that that's a really interesting thing to look into. So I would like to incorporate that into my future work. Uh, But I can't reveal the plot or the elevator pitch just yet. Okay, yes, I figured (laughs) as much. So that's a teaser. Something's coming. And I love that you're doing this pop culture I mean, it fits with, you know, this bachelor, bachelorette theme. Um, And, you know, it's very, it's very pertinent right now. And I think it's very, it is in right now and very intriguing. I love it. I mean, 
I think um, you hear a lot, write what you know, which I think can be a helpful writing advice. But I think even more than that, it's so important to write what you love and what you yeah. find interesting. Um, and I love pop culture. I think it's fascinating. Like yeah. you're saying, I think mm-hmm. it's relevant. Um, so I think for any new writers out there, aspiring writers, writing about what you find really fascinating is a great tip. I mean, it, it, it was a great tip for me. So. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. If you're writing about something that you love and, and find exciting, you're going to enjoy spending time with that subject. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Well, I can't believe it, but we're already coming up on time. This is a shocker. I can't believe it either. It's coming so fast. <laughs> no. Well, um, I don't know, Melissa, do you have a, a last question you want to throw out to Emily before we get ready to wrap well, it up? This is kind of, it, it leads into somewhere else, but I, it's it, interesting. You're, you're writing in the suspense thriller genre. Tell us what you like to read. Do you read in the same genre? Yes, I love suspense, mysteries, thrillers. Um, they're just, I mean, I, I do read a lot of different genres. I don't primarily, I mean, I don't exclusively stick to suspense, but that is my favorite. That is my go-to. I just find it, I think it's the best form of escapism for me. It's just yeah. so kind of wildly opposite of my life. So when I am trying to find a good escape, a good um, just diversion from life, that is my go-to. Excellent. I totally agree. I love that genre. And I read others too, but I think it's probably my favorite. It's just, uh, it pulls you in, you know, I think better than any other genre. I'm biased, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, usually we ask a question, you've kind of already provided some feedback on this, but do you have any writing advice that you would give to aspiring authors or readers that want to know? I'm always asked this question, and every time I'm like, I need to say something really profound. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're all waiting. Yes. And I need to come up with a different answer each time. <laughs> you know? Um, you are a debut author. Wow, us with your knowledge. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, You know what, since we're talking, this fits with the theme of this podcast, because I do think the best thing I ever did was join a critique group. And I think for any aspiring novelist, joining a critique group is invaluable. It it not only helps you make connections and make friends, but it helps you become a better editor, a better writer. Um, Sometimes you won't always get feedback that that you think is helpful. I did in my case. Um, But I think it more so helps you determine what other people are doing well and what they're not doing well. And I think that that's just as important as figuring out, you know, kind of what you need to do with your own work. Mm. So a critique group, I think, is the best thing that you can do. Um, And it helps you put yourself out there, which when you become a writer and become published, you have to do every day. Um, (laughs) So it's a good little, um, you know, step into that that direction. I love that. All right. Great. Yeah, very good, good advice. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Emily. It's yeah. been a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. And it's, I wish, I wish the world could see your smiling faces. <laughs> you guys are so, I can see the connection between you. It's wonderful. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So uh, again, thank you again and looking forward to getting the book and, and uh, I'll probably get both the, cause I, these days I'm much more of an audio person just with everything going on. But um 
Um, the folks you had on the audio sounds really good. So we'll she do both. is. She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Her name right. is Emily, so of course she's good. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I I got my hard copy. I'm going to listen to the audio because I love audio books. Yeah. But I got my hard copy in the mail because I, I pre-ordered it through oh. CamCat. And oh so I mean, eventually I'm going to give it to you for your signature inside oh. <laughs> because that'll be so special. But it's so exciting to actually hold the book in, in my hands. But I strongly encourage everyone to get out there and read it. It's not because I know Emily, even though I do. Uh, it, I, I do believe in the book and I think it's really good. It's very intriguing. If you like suspense, if you like thrillers, if that's your genre, even if it's not, but if you like the pop culture, uh, Bachelor, Bachelorette 2, you're going to be drawn in. So much to love about this book. I really encourage you to pick, go and get a copy. Thanks, Great. guys. All Thank right. you, Thank Emily, you. for coming on the show. <laughs> Thanks guys so much. Hope you enjoy reading it. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Those reviews really make a difference. We'd like to thank the folks at Literature and Latte, the makers of Scrivener, for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level, and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx Magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast, and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyxpublications. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.